0: Comics, movies, music, video games,
1: technology, Blu-ray, television. This
2: is the HHW LOD Podcast Network.
0: The world we know is gone. No Netflix,
2: no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts.
1: walking dead tv podcast this is episode number 72 i'm jordan from jersey and i'm joined tonight by bradley milo jim deets russell latham and johnny m how you guys all doing tonight and welcome to season three
3: great it's good to be back
2: fantastic
4: i'm so happy i'm as happy
1: as a little girl
3: you're always happy as a little girl
1: i try to be All right, this is already a subject we should change, so let's talk about the fact that we got a brand new intro, guys. Uh, I want to thank Brad and our buddy Bill The Voice for providing that. It's very cool. Uh, Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about Bill?
4: Bill is an outstanding human being and a scholar. Uh, I've known him for 20 years-ish. We used to work together along with Frank, and the three of us do our our show, Half Hour Wasted, but Bill's been uh, with us since the beginning. On pretty much every uh, HHWLOD show we've done, he's he's done uh, lots of VO for us. But um, at the drop of a hat, Bill will record anything for us. Bill is uh, he's a great guy. He's um, he's got a face for radio, and you, you can tell by his voice, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. But we want to thank Bill for always, you know, doing things at the drop of a hat for us. Um, he's just lovely to listen to and um, we're happy to have him
1: and uh, the song is Black by Carrie Kimmel we picked that up from the season 3 trailer I guess, kind of like we've done for the last two years, Pick the song from the trailer, turned that into the intro so uh, that's pretty cool, I enjoy that song
2: yeah,
3: I'm happy with how it turned out and uh, I'm eager to get going
1: Right on. Well, we have tons of stuff to talk about uh, this episode, the episode being Seed, uh, Season 3, Episode 1. But before we do, Russell, who is our sponsor this year?
2: Our sponsor, just like last year, is uh, Discount Comic Book Service. That's dcbservice.com. Um, please check them out. Um, you can pre-order your comics a couple months in advance. Uh, not just comics, even. Um, you could get... Trade paperbacks, hardcovers, toys, trinkets, magazines, you know, all kinds of cool, geeky stuff. Um, A ton of Walking Dead stuff always. Um, Some of the highlights this month are the Walking Dead Omnibus Hardcover Volume 4. Um, These are a little pricey if you're not familiar with these. These are actually two hardcovers stuck together, which two hardcovers are... Uh, or a hardcover is two trades and a trade is six issues so you basically have 24 issues in one hardcover volume with a cover price of a hundred dollars you can get it for 40 percent off and it's 60 dollars if you pre-order it and these things are limited in quantity so you got to snap them up ahead of time if you want them and they're just excellent presentation oversized uh so they're not you know regular comic book size they are they are larger so it really that that art really shines on that big format um Walking Dead number 105 of the regular monthly uh series is out. They're also soliciting the official Walking Dead magazine number 2 for 25% off and that's 7.49. So regular $10 cover price on that, you can get it for 7.49. Um some other stuff that's not necessarily Walking Dead related but just uh some other specials that DCB Service has going on this month. Hellboy in Hell, number one, is 50% off. And this is a new mini-series from Mike Mignola, where he's taken the character of Hellboy. So for you horror fans, if you're familiar with the Hellboy movies, or maybe even the comics, um, Hellboy is in Hell. And, uh, so this comic series is his, uh, journey in Hell and possibly his journey out of Hell. Although it's been rumored, uh, he's not coming back, so we'll have to see. Um, so all good, the- Russ. Yeah, yeah. Um, All the new DC hardcovers are all 50% off uh, this month. So any hardcovers and trades that are uh, solicited this month, a lot of that new 52 stuff, if any of you have been digging that, you can get um, those hardcovers and trades at a pretty good discount. Amazing Spider-Man number 700, huge anniversary issue for Amazing Spider-Man, 50% off. Its regular cover price is 8 is $8, you can get it for 3.99. So, I believe this is probably going to be either an 80 or 100 page spectacular. Um big doings going on allegedly from Dan Slott the writer with Amazing Spider-Man and 700 moving forward. Um actually 700 is the final issue of Amazing Spider-Man before it uh, jumps over to the superior Spider-Man uh, in in January, um, which leads me to October specials, uh, the 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 Marvel Now bundles. So if you if you've been following Marvel Comics news, uh, Marvel is relaunching uh, pretty much all of the titles. Originally it was going to be one title every twenty, uh, one title a week for twenty weeks, and I think now they're pretty much uh, going through the whole line and relaunching it with either some new flashy title or a new number one. You can get that bundle of 23 issues for a total of 50% off at $40.88. So, great deal, regular price of 81.77. Um so fantastic deal there at 50% off if you bundle them together. Um and don't forget to use the code WD8 if you're a first-time customer and never have used uh DCB service before. You can get an extra 8% off of your your order for the first time. So, again, uh dcbservice.com. Um we thank them for their support.
1: Yes, we do. Well, before we get to the actual episode, let's talk some news. Let's talk, in fact, some ratings. Uh, this episode, Seed, premiered to 10.9 million viewers. Uh, that is a, a 7.4 in the ratings. What does that mean? Well, that means it's the highest rated episode of The Walking Dead ever. It's the highest rated episode of anything on AMC ever. It's, in fact, the highest rated th- episode of anything on basic cable television Ever And it won the night. It was the highest rated thing on television uh, on Sunday night. So I would say resounding success all across the board.
4: If I may interrupt, I believe Russell can comment on how busy the uh, website was last night.
2: Yeah, the... um... So Dish, uh, AMC for Dish customers, uh, supposedly just for Dish customers, although you don't have to, you know, sign your name and blood or anything saying you're a Dish customer, uh, was streaming the premiere live, and their website was completely jacked up. It was way overloaded. I tried tweeting out. Um, AMC eventually put something on their website to say that the site was overloaded. So huge response. I mean, last uh, when they've done this for their other shows, they did it for Breaking Bad. They did it for, um, I guess, Hell on Wheels. And, um, you know, no real problems there. And those are both fairly popular shows, but I could not get on to watch it. Eventually, I just had to I bailed out. I just uh, I, I just couldn't do it because it, I just wasn't gaining any ground. They did offer uh, during the day as we record this on Monday, the day after the premiere, um, basically rebroadcast or rehab it available to stream for folks that might have missed out. So um, I think that's pretty telling in and of itself. Um, Other than the ratings, you know, being so high, the fact that there's so many people that were trying to take advantage of that of that online stream.
1: Uh, Just a quick breakdown of the ratings. Like I said, it was a seven point four in the ratings for the nine o'clock premiere. And that basically means that of all the televisions in the United States that were turned on, seven point four percent of them were tuned to the show. That was 10.9 million viewers, and, and that's up over or 50% in terms of millions uh, versus the Season 2 premiere, and it's 54% up in terms of the rating from the Season 2 premiere. So uh, a lot more people watching, but there was also slightly less televisions turned on in the U.S. at the time uh, than there were last year. That is 7.3 million adults between 18 and 49, which is kind of your big uh, the, the big uh, consumer group that they're looking to hit for television, because those are the people who buy the most stuff.
3: Jordan, when you say a record-breaking for biggest cable show ever, mm-hmm. um, we broke cable. our own record, isn't that correct? Didn't we did walk and get hold it last year? I believe they broke
1: their own record that they set last year, which broke their own record that they had set with the season one premiere, I think. amazing. They, they, they constantly break their own record. It's kind of like... Uh, You know, if you think about that guy who just broke the record uh, jumping out of the balloon up in space, it'd be kind of like if he just went back tomorrow and jumped from ten feet higher, and the next day went up and jumped from, you know, fifty feet higher than that. That's pretty much what they're doing. They're just making fun of everybody now, and I think it's awesome.
3: It's like seven minute abs, no six minute abs. (laughs) It's it's what what is that? That's you get what what movie is that from?
4: No, that's um, (laughs) that's uh, something about Mary.
3: Yes, yes.
1: Genius. So if you want to calculate between all three showings, because I showed it at 9, 10, and midnight on Sunday, uh, it got 15.2 million viewers total. So that is pretty awesome.
0: It's kind of interesting to me, too, how the, the popularity of the TV show is almost uh, mirroring the popularity of the comic. The comic started out small and got a great word-of-mouth following and just snowballed into this big phenomenon. And we're seeing the same thing with the TV show. I mean, it's usually the opposite. Usually a, a TV show will premiere big and then slowly, you know, lose um, uh, viewers by attrition as it goes on. The Walking Dead has been just the opposite. It's been more and more popular as it's been going on, um, much like the comic book did. You know, it started out small and word-of-mouth has caused it to really explode.
4: And another um thing that may be contributing to that is now you can watch season two on Netflix in addition to season one that's been there for a while, so you know people may be going, "Wow, well, I'll just catch up real quick on Netflix. I'll let the season three episode stack up on my d v r and before I know it i'm I'm in the game with everybody else
1: exactly. Before we get to the episode discussion uh, proper, we should mention that the Comic-Con audio from this year's New York Comic-Con is available at uh, walkingdeadtv.com and on the same feed right now, so you definitely want to check that out. It's really cool stuff. And, Johnny M., I believe you have some information for us about a certain contest winner.
3: Yeah, we ran a couple of contests. One we'll talk about later so we don't sort of spoil the episode before we uh start talking about it but uh one was facebook one was twitter and before i move on i just want to say thank you to uh everybody that stayed with us the whole off season on the show you know subscribing and facebook and twitter uh we'd also like to welcome all the new people that we know we're getting with the start of the new season and welcome back everybody that returned right that sort of left for the off season and uh has come back since the show is starting up so welcome to everybody Um, we ran a Facebook contest on the page to sort of get the people involved that were hanging around the Facebook page. It's for the hardcover copy of the Walking Dead Road to Woodbury novel that we spoke about last episode a little bit. We posted a picture of, uh, it ended up being Michael Rooker at the premiere, flipping everybody the bird. And the contest was to caption this picture and we got lots and lots of entries and, uh, Just like our poetry contest that we ran a while back, uh, it turns out that less is more. And the winner is going to be Mary T. I'm not going to say her last name just in case she doesn't want to uh, have it on the podcast. She's Mary T. on Twitter as well. And her caption for the picture was, screw you, dish. (laughs) So it was perfect. It was timed well. Nobody else thought of it. And uh, I liked it. So, Mary, you're the winner of the Road to Woodbury novel. I'll get in touch on either Twitter or the Facebook, and uh, I'll get your info, and we'll send that out to you. So congrats, and yes, very, very good, Brad. And thank you, Mary.
1: Yes, thank you to Mary, and thank you to everybody who entered. Uh, We'll be doing more contests, I'm sure, as the season progresses. So look forward to those. Shall we talk about Seed, ladies and gentlemen? Let's do it. Okay, why was
3: it
4: called seed? I never I never figured it out.
0: Because there's a one great part with Herschel where they finally find the land and they finally get it safe and they're making the fire and he stands and he holds a little bit of the soil in his hand and he says, This uh the soil would be good for seed. We could grow tomatoes and cucumbers. Okay. He has that one hopeful that one hopeful moment kind of sets apart the entire rest of you know, the mangling zombie part, but
4: we'll get to that. Yeah, I think you're right.
3: Yeah, and I I think it also it is it also mirrors I think the baby situation with Laurie. Right. Um that's how I looked at it too, you know. It's it, this this episode has the super gory action and the scenes with Laurie being pregnant and the effect of who the father is and blah blah blah. I've said too much, but I think Seed also has something to do with that as well. I think you're right. I agree as well.
1: Well, Seed is episode 301. It is also the 20th episode of the show total. It feels like there's more than that, but yeah, this is only the 20th episode of the show.
2: The other thing, real quick, is this is the first... Now, granted, it's this is only a third season, but for fans of the comic, seasons one and two started with... Um, the the premiere was the name of that trade. So, um, so the first one was Days Gone By. The second one was Long Road Home or... I, I I forget what what it was and and uh, so this this volume of the trade is called Safety Behind Bars, but yet the episode was called Seed. so I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Well, that is an interesting note, and uh, I am looking at the episode titles for the first uh, seven, and none of them is called Safety Behind Bars, but who knows? That could be the season season two or season three uh, finale. For all we know, might be saving it for just the right moment. Well, this episode starts with a three to five minute long opening a group of shots that are almost completely wordless. I think t Dog might say something at one point, which is kind of funny that he'd be the one person to talk, but he might just uh, uh, make a noise and a motion towards the window. But uh, we're at a small rural home in Georgia where the group breaks in and they start killing zombies. Uh, It has been, we can see, several months since we last left them. Lori's much more pregnant. Carl's older. He's got longer hair. Uh, Herschel's got a beard. And they are no longer... Flailing about trying to kill zombies and survive they are still trying to survive but they are a well-willed machine. they know what they're doing. You can tell they've done this many times before. Everybody's pretty much getting in on the action including Carl killing zombies in a very efficient manner, uh, clearing out the house looking for supplies. They sit down after they've cleared out the after they've cleared out the building and Daryl has killed an owl uh, and they are trying to relax Who? when
0: uh, <laughs> Oh I see what you did
3: there. Uh, They're owls are the new squirrels.
4: (laughs) Hey, I think it's uh, important to mention you talked about them being a well-oiled machine and getting used to doing things. Rick mentions it later, but, you know, we actually see Carol, you know, taking up the gun and actually doing some good with a gun. And it was kind of neat to see her, you know... Uh, look productive instead of just sit there and whine about something. Yeah, definitely.
0: Jordan makes a good point, though. I mean, they very much, you can tell this is not the first time they've done this sweeping clear maneuver. You know what I mean? They've done this a bunch of times, you can tell, over the past few months as we saw them last. And something we talked about in some of the episode commentaries is about that the very few episodes have a time jump, like 18 Miles Out had a time jump of, I think, about a week or so. But now we get a time jump of probably, you know, between four to six months, I would guess. And, um, you know, it's a, they're a different group than when we left them last time. They're a lot more capable as a group. And since Rick has, like, declared it no longer a democracy, it seems like, you know, the survival modes have really kicked in.
4: And Rick seems like a really different person now.
0: Absolutely. It's more like the Rick in the comic, I think.
4: Yeah, he seems... Um, one of our Facebook people, I realize we're kind of jumping, but one of our Facebook people said, you know, seeing Rick... Well, you know what? I'll save that comment. I'll save that comment for for later. That that's more appropriate to save that.
3: Just one quick thing before we move on. Did anybody catch the homemade silencers that they were using yeah. on the pistols?
4: Yeah, Rick had a a mag light. A yeah, old, like a three cell mag light. What was Carl's? It was concave. It was cone
2: shaped. I almost thought it was like some sort of. Uh... Like aluminum bat that was put on the end of it or something, you know, like, like one of those little mini ones. But I looked, I looked at it again and it actually looks like they machined it. Like it, 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 there's a, there's an awesome shot if you, um, if you look at it where Rick, where, um, Carl is in the kitchen and, uh, they do this awesome shot where he's literally pointing the, the gun at the camera and, and you could see it's, it looks like an actual silencer. I mean, not, not like one you'd bought at the store, but, it it looks like it's screwed onto the end, and it looks like it's machined out to be hollowed, but but it looks like it's made out of like aluminum material. So uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that was kind of cool that they're, they're you know they're adapting and they're they're getting smarter, right? You know, because the whole thing with the you know guns making noise, so they've they've gotten smarter about um, you know one conserving their ammo and two you know not re- you know realizing that a bunch of gunshots are just going to draw more of them near. So I thought that was really awesome. I
0: thought the scene with the owl was great too. Because you, know, you have tension, tension, tension. You're building up, and then there's just that owl there inexplicably up in that bedroom. I just, I, I thought that was a great scene.
1: Yeah, now, I don't know a ton about owls. I mean, from, they are birds, I'm aware. They fly, you know, night predators, etc. I've heard
3: they're nocturnal.
1: Yes, I've heard that as well. What was with its pose? Do owls do that when they're being threatening? It had, like, kind of its wings out a little bit, almost like a bat. Did you guys catch that?
2: I It did look like it was asserting its position. Um, uh, I think he wanted position. to, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he was it was to mate.
4: He was looking to mate with the uh, squirrels hanging off of Daryl. <laughs> I'm just
1: I'm just to to see seeing owls, you know, just kind of that silhouette that you're used to seeing where they've just got their wings wrapped around them. It's very cylindrical, and this was a strange position for it to be in. I mean, I assume if that's what they did, that that, that they've looked it up, and that's what owls actually look like when they're threatening, but... Um, it it well, was you know, strangely. we've all
4: done that thing where, where we're caught doing something and we kind of freeze no matter what position we're in, and we act like we're like statues, and that's probably what the owl was doing. He was probably flexing in the mirror, and, and Daryl walked in, and he <laughs> just froze.
0: I think another really telling part of this opening scene is when uh, uh, Carl uh, open, starts to open up the dog food, and then Rick takes it from him and throws it into the fireplace.
4: Yeah, what do you make of that? I mean, you would think no son of mine's that, eating dog food. As we find out later, they've been, they've made it through the winter, so it, it has been months. They say that more than once the winter comment, but you would think that Rick would be like,
1: yeah, we could eat that. I think it's just telling you that they're not that far. They're not that desperate yet. I mean, they're desperate. They're looking for food wherever they can find it, but th- they're still above dog food.
4: I think maybe Rick thinks that and wants to feel that maybe he feels that way but if you watched those other people looking at what Carl was doing I mean they look like they were
0: hungry they were ready, ready to have some they are ready to chow down oh yeah
4: they were like like uh, Herschel was like chomping at the bit I mean he was licking his chops plus you
0: gotta remember that. Lori is like what maybe eight months pregnant nine months pregnant at this point and they're talking about her being malnutritioned uh, you know her and her baby being you know, not getting enough food to eat and stuff You'd think that, you know, extreme measures, they would eat that dog food. I mean, I I would, if I had to, if I had to
3: survive. Everybody looks terrible except T-Dog. He's so cool his head didn't even grow any stubble.
1: (laughs) So after Rick throws the can against the wall, Uh, again, all this is, as far as I can remember, completely wordless, which is really cool. Uh, T-Dog looks out the window. He sees there's a bunch of zombies. He alerts the group that uh, the place is not as safe as they thought it was. They hightail it out there as as silently as they can, and they leave the place in the dust. And we are introduced to our brand new opening credits, which uh, remind me a little bit of True Blood um, mixed with The Walking Dead. Not in a bad way. I've always liked the True Blood opening credits, uh, but there was a couple of effects they used that reminded me of that. So not only do we have new opening credits, so does uh, The Walking Dead. What would you guys think of that?
3: First thing that I noticed was no sign of uh, Frank Darabont. He was in there? He was in there? He
4: was. It was like it went by so quick. I literally think it was less than a second that his name was up. It said, uh, developed by.
3: Oh, yeah, I totally missed it, so it must have been yeah. quick. Yeah, even
1: one of the professional reviews I read mentioned that he wasn't mentioned in the credits, and I was like, uh, no, he, he definitely was. But, I mean, there were a lot more credits in the opening credits this year than there have been in the past, so everybody got a little bit of a shorter... Uh, shot up there, I think.
0: And it was a little, uh, they, uh, it was a little less uh, obvious. Like in the first, the last uh, credit sequence, like they had like John Berenthal. They actually have like a picture of Shane, you know. In this, they have like Andrew Lincoln. They just show the the sheriff star, you know. Or uh, when Stephen Yeun, they show the uh, the pocket watch. Um, it just, uh, it was a little more subtle, I thought, than than the last credit sequence. Plus, in the opening credits, I really enjoyed the, the few shots of the prison or whatever, so you know, letting the people know that this is going to be a major story element going
1: forward. Absolutely. If
4: I was Melissa McBride, I think I would be upset that I wasn't included in the main credits.
1: Well, that's going to come you know, down she, to whatever her contract is.
4: I guess, but, you know, like it or not, she's a main character on the show. They should at least show some respect.
0: When, when she learns to how to go. shoot straight, they'll put her in the main credits.
1: Okay, all right. <laughs> So after the opening credits, we uh, regroup with the survivors. They're still trucking around in the vehicles from last season, or at least two of the three are the same. I'm not sure if it was the same truck. I didn't pay that close of attention. But uh, we learn that, like like uh, Brad already mentioned, you know they've they've already gone through the winter. Uh, this is four to six months. I think that was a good good guess, Jim, for sure from where we last left them, and uh, they have not discovered the prison, even though it was right over the ridge, and we saw last season they've been kind of going in circles, there's uh, two or three different herds of walkers out there that they're aware of, and they're you know, trying to stay out of their path, they're worried about them combining, and they've been circling throughout the state, and they even mentioned, uh, I like that they mentioned that they might go to Noonan next, which was funny for me, because I have some family out there, um, and I, I imagine if you're a, a viewer who lives in Atlanta, uh, it's gotta be awesome to hear all those different You know, or a viewer from Georgia, rather, it's got to be awesome to hear all those different town names and be able to go, like, oh, I know exactly where they are. I've been stuck in a traffic jam on that road or whatever.
3: Yeah. That used to happen on Sopranos all the time for, like, different towns in Long Island and stuff. Right, right. It was always a, it was always a, uh, treat.
4: I got to do that, uh, when I watched, um, Zombieland because it, that, it first, that first started out. And, um, I actually forget the, the city, but it was a, uh, Suburb of Dallas, Texas, Garland, I believe, it was Garland, Texas. Right on. And that's like was, with like four miles from the movie theater I was watching Zombie
1: Land at. I was like, holy crap, <laughs> that's got to be a weird experience. Yeah. The only, no, I. Spoiler
0: alert! I love this episode. All right, I thought it was a great episode and a great way to start off the season. Okay, not to jump the gun too much, but the one thing that bothered me about this entire episode, they're looking at a map of the area. Okay, they have a map of the area rolled out on the truck they are circled around this entire area for six months now. And, you know, the closing of the, the last season, we saw the prison in the background from where they were camped. I, I just found it a little incredulous that it wouldn't be on the map, you know.
4: Well, I was thinking along the same lines, I was thinking, okay, it's been three or four months, and they haven't stumbled across that prison, which was you could throw a football over there, and there it was. Right, it was a little you farther know, than that. I, yes, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it was within... Sight. I mean, it was right that they were so close. You know, it was that. And have they been finding gasoline for the last three or four months? But you know, I, I roll with it. It's all good.
2: I I took it more as that scene at the end was for us. Not you know, it's kind of like one of those things that they throw in there for the fans. Um, and two, they made a point of saying you know they they circled. They basically went in a big circle all winter. So they they kind of you know, let you know that they, they hadn't really traveled that far from where they started at the end of season two. So I, I kind of uh, suspended a little disbelief with that and, and yeah. you know, just took it as a, we, we got a really cool Easter egg at the end of season two. And it was it was worth that suspension to, to have that, you know, several months back. I
4: did appreciate the way they revealed the prison it was very similar to the comic with Rick. And uh, I can't remember who he was with in the comic, but in this case, it was Daryl on the show. The two of them kind of walked up around something, and boom, there was the prison. I think in the comic they walked up a hill, and as they crested the top of the hill, boom, there was the prison. So it was kind of a neat reveal the way they did it.
1: Yeah, yeah, like Brad said, uh, Rick and and uh, Rick and Daryl they go out into the woods to do a little hunting while the group rests. Uh, they're walking down while some everybody's
4: cleaning their panties. I think was what, <laughs> what Daryl said.
1: said. Yeah, uh, yeah. They walk down some train tracks, uh, and uh, they look across kind of a swampy area, another one of those, and they see a a prison, a a really big prison, a really nice-looking prison. Uh, Not nice in terms of, I mean, it was kind of a cruddy-looking prison in terms of If I was going to be
4: in prison somewhere, I'd want it to look that nice.
1: (laughs) But uh, it was definitely a nice-looking building in terms of a set or in terms of an actual location that they got. Uh, Very authentic, very cool-looking. I love the guard towers. Uh, There was even, like, one just kind of sitting in the middle of the swamp, wasn't there?
3: One one tower. tower? Yeah. I think there was one guard uh, tower completely surrounded recall. by water. You could be right. I, I just don't recall.
1: Right, right. Uh, and uh, Rick already has kind of a look of... You You can tell he's thinking at, a, at about a thousand miles an hour looking at this building. And uh, I think next time we see it, we've got the whole group approaching the, the building, af- approaching the fence, and he says uh, something along the lines of, this is perfect. Rick
4: had that same look on his face that Herschel had on his face when he was watching
1: Carl open the dog food. <laughs> I can get behind that. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: There's a couple things in this scene that really I thought was cool and again shows the ingenuity of the writing and and or the set people and something we didn't really see in the comic either. I mean, we didn't really see weapons with silencers in the comic. Um, and the other thing we didn't really see is the clever way they're closing back these gates. They're using like zip ties and carabiners and little chains and stuff. I just thought that was a really, really cool touch. Like, these guys are being extremely crafty and extremely handy, um, and using, you know, everyday items that you wouldn't expect to use, uh, in that manner to, you know, to, to, to quickly, you know, open and close things, to quickly, um, block things off so that, you know, the zombies don't get through. I just, I just, I just love those little touches. And not only are they doing them,
1: but they're I mean, like we talked about before in terms of a well oiled machine, they have thought this out, they have planned, they have the materials ready, they all know their job you know they're they're working in tandem. I thought that was absolutely fantastic throughout the episode, um, for the most part in terms of them always knowing what the other person's doing, always knowing with where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there and and carrying it out pretty much flawlessly
0: and moreover there's that great there's a great scene with them um, them where they're between the two fences and they're not sure how to go about clearing out the road. You know, they just said one of them has to run for the gate. And uh, and um, Glenn is like, no, I'm fastest. No, no, no. And instead of there being a big argument and discussion like there would have been in season two that would have taken like half the episode, Rick is like, no, this is what we're going to do. You're up the tower. You're over here. You're on coverage. Carol, take your time shooting the rifle because you're not too great right now, and I will run. You know, it's just, it, it's, you know, like you said, the, we, we keep saying the well old machine, but it just goes to show like how much, The group has changed since we saw them last, like how much more coordinated they are uh, under Rick's leadership.
4: And, you know, Rick didn't hesitate when they had stopped uh, Rick uh, while they were on the road. Rick didn't hesitate to put Carl, you know, on point. It's like 15, you're on point, you know, and and Carl was like, all right, dude, whatever. And Beth was watching the other
1: side of the caravan as well. Yeah,
4: so they've they've learned to trust each other. They've learned, you know, to give these kids a gun. I mean, we saw that, but, you know, who would have thought Beth would have – I don't think she was carrying a gun at that point, but who would have thought to have have trusted somebody you know that they didn't know that maybe was a bit flighty that was kind of you know weird and wimpy and whatever use whatever adjectives you want but you know th- the point is they've they've learned to adapt
1: and they've they trust each other,
4: and like you said, they've just become this machine.
1: Hey everybody, Jordan here. Uh, as I edit the episode, my microphone got disconnected for about five minutes and my computer switched over to my internal microphone. So for the next few minutes, it'll be bad. But then we caught the problem, so it'll be much better. Just wanted to let you know that the rest of the podcast doesn't sound this weird. Back to the episode. So what follows is a oh, five, ten minute long sequence where they're they're running in between the two fences. They're killing zombies on either side by either shooting them or sticking... Uh, I almost said anvils, uh, crowbars, and other sharp metal implements through the bars into the zombie skulls. They're being, you know, very effective with this. Uh, like you said, then Rick runs in to close one of the inner fences, and uh, we see them completely clear out the kind of central courtyard area. At least on that side of the prison, uh, they killed all the zombies inside. Uh, there's a lot of cool action in there. I mean, we, we could talk forever about that, and I'm sure you guys will want uh, to jut in with your with your favorite ones. But we we end that scene with it pretty much being nighttime and them settling in for the night in the courtyard. Where, and this is the part where uh, Herschel points out that the ground is is ripe for seed. They can plant some crops there, and uh, we get some character stuff. But what do you guys think about all the action there for this first action scene?
0: I want these guys on my team for Borderlands, man.
1: So many headshots.
0: <laughs> I was just like, wow, I want to play Xbox with these guys.
4: Did anybody find it... Was anybody else disturbed at Rick's behavior uh when he was up in the tower picking off zombies he was smiling to himself he looked like he was really enjoying what he was doing
1: it's sort of the i am legend effect not the not the terrible movies um any of the versions but you know the actual book thing where they're the thing that goes bump in the night if these zombies were sentient you know these are would be the group that they would worry about and tell stories about like the boogeyman
4: yeah i mean rick was you know he was joking around when he when he was saying later that, that in the scene we haven't gotten to yet you're about to mention they're sitting around there's some singing and and he's like you know we got to push a little harder and we got to go in there and do our thing and and he looks at carl and he says you know these a-holes they don't stand a chance it just seems like he's become so uh, flippant i guess about the whole deal at the same time, he's not because he's he's pressing them on. You know, we got to move on. We can't rest on our laurels. But at the same time, he's like, yeah, you know, I got some target practice in today. I got a couple of good headshots. You know, these a-holes are not going to. He's kind of absorbed the best parts of Shane. I guess. It, it just seemed like. I wasn't used to this Rick, I guess is is a really good one. I was getting more of a
0: Hannibal from the A-Team. I love it when a plan comes together kind of thing off of that. Like, yeah, it all worked out and nobody died. And, uh, you know, we cleared this out and now we got somewhere safe to be.
3: Yeah, but, you know. Except they didn't shoot cabbages at them out of a snowblower.
1: And they actually hit things
3: as opposed to the A-Team.
4: But it seemed it was quite a different Rick. And we've mentioned that before there. It's been months and they're you know, used to doing what they gotta do, but seeing Rick be this different person is the Rick that I've been wanting to see, but now that it's happened, I mean I'm glad, but it was it was a shock to me. It it really it really affected me to see him being this guy that I've always wanted to see him be.
3: And I think it's supposed to, Brad, because if you think back to Guts in season one, he was pulling out wallets of zombies and uh and, you know, reading Who they were and holding eulogies for them And now it's totally morphed Into just these are not people anymore These are not you know your loved Ones these are just zombies And we're gonna kill them you know At will
4: right and that's that's what I was referring to earlier that scene In guts when I said I'd rather hold this for the end of the Episode Um, but when Rick has to do what he needs to do at the end Of this episode it's quite a change from The Rick in guts like you were Saying you know he was sensitive rick and now he's like i gotta do what i gotta do
2: rick yeah bottom line rick i I took it more as he finally feels we finally got the upper hand you know we finally got into a spot where we're not we're not the ones that are on the run we're in control we found this this spot where we could probably you know take hold and set up and be here for the long haul and you know my wife can give birth and You know, we can roam around without feeling like, you know, somebody's going to come up on us. And, you know, I just think that moment where it was like, you know, you know, kind of like, you know, Jim said, you know, the, the plan came together and you could see it wasn't just Rick. I mean, you could see it on Carol's face and and the rest of them that they were kind of enjoying the fact that, you know, for once it's like you know it's like their big f u moment to the to the zombies right i mean it's just like you know here i am i'm on the, i'm on top and and you know i'm not i'm not uh, on the run or you know being backed into a corner um you, you know at, at that point so i just i just thought that was a cool moment for them to finally um feel like they had the upper hand as opposed to to being you know under under the zombies foot all the time
4: i would agree and i'm i'm certainly not bothered by the change in them, I expected this. I'm was surprised at how it affected me personally, but I'm I'm all aboard.
1: So after all that, then uh, like we've already mentioned, they they settle down uh, for a night. Uh, Beth and Maggie sing. It's kind of a nice haunting moment that gives them a little respite from everything. Uh, Carol and Daryl have uh, they flirt for a little while on top of the uh, an overturned bus. It was actually a pretty nice scene. Hey, could you guys hear the screams?
4: The uh, the cries of no from uh, just kind of like wherever just <laughs> coming like in from the millions, it was that hills. millions was that all the duels females...
0: vixens crying out as if, uh, as if yeah. suddenly silenced. Yep, that's exactly
4: what I thought it sounded like. It they just came from nowhere. It just it was in my brain or something. I just heard millions of voices cry out.
0: There's that great line Carol has about um you know where they're talking about Rick and she goes uh, you know Rick has gotten us through. Shane could never have done that. So I think she's, uh, you know, from where she was, you know, behind the dying fire, she's really, you know, come around to respect Rick uh, for what he's done, you know, to help her.
1: Well, they did a great job of tempering her character and bringing her more back to a place that people aren't going to hate her as much as they have in past uh, episodes.
3: Right. Is it just her grayish hair or is she a lot older than Daryl, do you think?
1: Mm, She's probably got 15 years on him.
3: Okay. Okay, good. That's fine. So she's a cougar. Just checking.
2: Yeah. She looks I think it's just the hair cuz she looks like, you know, how do I say this? She she doesn't look like she she looks younger than than her gray hair would lead her to to uh, be, is my thinking. I think they're fairly close in the same age. I think like Jordan, maybe she's got a couple years on them, but I think they're they're closer in age than it, than it may seem. Um
4: I look much younger than my gray hair says I am. <laughs> so, you know, it's possible. I mean, I, I would agree. I think it's just the hair, John. Okay. Because every once in a while, maybe it's the light, maybe it's the shadows or whatever, but she looks uh, she looks a lot younger sometimes than she has in the past on this show. Yeah. So.
2: I think if they gave an award to, like, most improved character between season two and season three, I think it would go to Carol. Because I really. You know,
4: sometimes. Yeah, I, I would agree, Russ. Sometimes I'm not a fan of, of time jumps because I want to know what happened in those three months. You know, I feel like I'm missing something, but I think in this case it has really worked. I think Glenn Mazzara, uh, I'm assuming it's Tim made a really good decision to actually have a time jump.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we probably have big egos as fans, but I really think they listened to, like, the fan outcries. I mean, everybody hated Lori, and we're going to get recognition soon coming up where that everybody does hate Lori. and Rick was a wimp and now Rick's not a wimp and t Dog said nothing and he still says nothing but he kills a lot of zombies now
0: no he actually had a couple lines he had a couple lines
3: yeah a couple but I think they improved on a lot of the stuff that you know everybody said they didn't like oh
1: definitely 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 and I think a lot of that was you know Mazera didn't he was doing damage control last season but this season he's you know he's fully in control
0: and if you listen to the uh, the New York Comic Con uh, panel that we posted as our last episode, you know that's exactly what Ann Heard and Robert Kirkman were mm-hmm. saying—that they were going to take that kind of, you know, that mo- momentum. And that's kind of what they're committed to: is making sure that there's more, you know, more momentum, more going on in, in each episode. And there definitely is not this one, as you can tell. This is pretty much the only quiet moment we get is them around the fire in this whole episode.
1: Uh, Rick and Lori also have a conversation where she – I don't remember if this was the part where she acknowledges that she's been kind of a terrible person to him. Um, although he, I know she does it later with Herschel as well. But uh, that was a pretty good scene. I mean still not – she's still not the most likable person in the world, but I didn't want her to die at that particular moment. You know what I mean?
3: And I think she's going to. Don't you Got? I mean obviously we're not spoiling. It's just prediction talk. But can, they, can she have this – I guess – I guess she can lose the baby, but she can't be pregnant or have a baby on this show, right? I mean, I, I just can't see them pulling off a newborn on this show or a very pregnant Lori much longer.
1: They might do another time jump.
3: Yeah, maybe after the first well, six, we haven't. Yeah, could be.
4: You know, they didn't specify just how long. It's been They said through the winter And it wasn't exactly winter when we left In season two Yeah but so. she's
2: very
3: pregnant And she wasn't showing at the end of two So you're talking about right, so Six months minimum I would say
1: Well she was probably two months along last you know, season And now she's about seven
4: But they did say repeatedly in this episode The baby's gonna be here in a few days Right So I wouldn't be surprised at all If we see her give birth
3: it's not that I guess I don't think we'll see her give birth. I just don't think they're going to be towing around a newborn. So I disagree. Something's going bad.
4: <laughs> I want to see Laurie's story progress the way it progresses in the comic, and that's all I'll say. I want to see it. I want to see it mirror what what uh, it does in the comic. And that's all I'm going Well, to- it's
0: interesting too though, how the dynamic between Rick and Lori has changed in this time. Like at the end of, you know, uh, beside the dying fire at the end of episode you know, season two, you know, Rick was trying to reach out to Lori for support, and Lori pulled away from him. Now, Lori is seeking Rick's approval, and Rick is you know totally pulled away
1: from her.
4: Yeah, something has definitely happened over the months to get
1: Rick's uh, panties in a bunch. So while all this is going on, we then jump into, I guess it was two separate scenes with with Michonne, but let's, uh, let's put them both together right here. Um, Michonne is at, like, a pharmacy or some little corner store. Uh, and she runs in, she uh, distracts some zombies, and then she decapitates both of them in one shot, which was nice.
4: By the way, John? Yes? We had talked uh, earlier uh, on this podcast about that scene that we had seen in a trailer for season three. I think... Um, I think they might have tweaked the effects because it looked a lot better, I yeah. think, in this than the first version that we saw. Totally agree.
0: It's funny. I was watching this with my wife, and she doesn't know Michonne from the comics at all. And the scene went through, and she, you know, where she beheads all these guys in all these moves, and my wife looked at me and was like, "Damn!" And I looked at her and said, "That's Michonne."
2: My favorite bit was she she just whacked the head off, but didn't like bash the brain in, and so the the head was still the mouth was still moving and the eyes were still moving around. So I, I guess if you just separate the spinal cord, uh, you don't kill the the zombie that the head, the head lives. Right, right. And that was a much better uh,
1: decapitated zombie head than we saw in the webisodes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, then later on in the episode, we'll just mention it right here, she heads back to a meat locker at a lumber yard, which was an interesting uh, mix there. And that's where we find Andrea, who is sick—not like sick with the zombie flu or whatever—but she's she she's been taken or out of commission to an extent. Yeah, I, I don't think she was bitten. I think Michonne would be smart enough to not keep her around. Plus, they're they are definitely talking like she's going to be better in a few days. They're not talking like she's going to die. Although, I mean, Andrea does say, "If I stay here, I will die." But that 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 well, <laughs> that would intone that if she does something else, she will survive. We don't.
4: Uh, as far as I'm concerned as far as i remember andrea was not part of the conversation uh when rick told the rest of the group what jenner said about them already being infected and then they said that's you know. true that's true um so you know as far as i'm the way i'm thinking is that michonne and andrea have no clue that if andrea died from this flu or pneumonia or whatever that she would rezombify. Means. That's true,
1: unless Michonne knows from some other source, which is quite possible.
4: True, and, and we don't know if she does or not.
1: So, uh, we don't get a whole lot with them, maybe three minutes with Andrea and six minutes with Michonne, but we can already see that they are, you know, they they get along well. Uh, Michonne's kind of being very motherly towards, uh, towards Andrea. Andrea's kind of playfully, uh, you know, making fun of her at some points, but uh, they're definitely getting along, and they are, they're planning on heading out soon. Uh, whether or not that's before or after Andrea feels better, it's a little unclear. But uh, they, they do set off at the end. We're not sure exactly where they're going. And uh, we get to see, I think for the second time, the first time for a long period of time in the episode, we get to see uh, Michonne's pets, her two armless, jawless zombies. Yeah, I want to I shout
4: out to uh, Greg Nicotero. I think he and his team did a fantastic job with those uh, pets. They were just... Really, really, the, their
1: faces definitely work better when they're in the shadows. It's hard to uh, do the jawless thing in, in good light, but the arms look great. I don't know. Did they find two actors who are had both of their arms gone, or are they just gonna CG them out whenever no, they're in?
3: No, it's yeah, it's green screen stuff. It's uh, I think I've seen shots of them wearing like the green or blue gloves up to the point where their arms would be cut off. Yeah,
4: I was gonna save this for discussion later in the episode but it was pretty much a, a Lieutenant Dan thing
2: Lieutenant Dan
4: <laughs> you know when um,
2: are
3: waiting all show to play
4: yeah and, and, you, and you jumped the gun because I was going to save it for the end of the episode
2: Lieutenant Dan
4: obviously if you haven't seen Forrest Gump you don't know what the hell I'm <laughs> talking
1: about so that's all we get with uh, with Andre and Michonne in this episode and from what I understand they will not be appearing next week at all but they will be there in two weeks Um, We also don't see any governor this episode. From what I understand, he does not show up until episode three either. So uh, an interesting division of what we're going to see in the season there. But what we saw, I definitely enjoyed that. I mean, that was Michonne, 100%.
3: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: And uh, Deny Guria, uh, which is how they pronounced her name on uh, The Talking Dead, so I think that's what we're going to be going with. She was on Talking Dead, and uh, I must say, she is quite fetching. She cleans up well. Yes, she does. And interestingly, you know, last season we were talking about, oh, every time we see John Bernthal, he's got a shaved head. Her hair was much, much shorter, uh, very closely cropped. So uh, will we have a scene in this season where she cuts off her dreads or uh, are they are? I can't imagine they're already done filming everything. That doesn't seem possible at all. But uh, yeah, definitely. She has very short hair now. I don't think that was a wig. Did anybody get the impression it was a wig in the episode?
2: Yeah, I did.
4: No. Oh, did
1: you? Okay. Yeah. I'm always pretty bad at picking that out. People be like, "Did you see that terrible wig or terrible weave?"
4: Russ is special. (laughs) Russ Russ can spot a wig at ten
1: paces.
2: (laughs) Russ probably wears a wig. Bradley, that was our secret. (laughs) Sure, come stay at my house if you come up to Dallas. We'll go to the con.
3: (laughs) Turn around! I have to put my wig on. (laughs) Never
2: again. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, children, children, children.
3: <laughs> oh, shit, I dipped my wig in my coffee again.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: we then pick up with Rick and the rest of the, uh, the survivors at the next day, and this is where we get most of our... I mean, we, we've already had two pretty major action scenes, a couple little ones, and uh, now we're going to head into our third big one, and this is when they open up the cell block, or before they even open up the cell block, once they decide to clear out that inner courtyard, this is where we get uh, some of my favorite stuff the entire episode in terms of the action. We get the Riot Gear zombies. We get my absolute favorite, oh, the gas mask zombie, which that was one of the... I mean, I don't get grossed out too often, but that got me a good oh my gosh, you know, when that when that happened. The face uh, came off. Are you talking about when, when the... Yes, yeah, face, the face literally ripped off. I mean, like, you gotta imagine all the methane and all the gases from the rotting flesh has been trapped inside that mask for almost a year at this point and it's just been eating through the skin and oh that was just that was gnarly that was really really gross and awesome
4: one of my favorite parts is when uh Daryl shoots the crossbow at the um at the guard with the right gear on and, and you you almost it might as well have been this sound
2: yeah.
1: you know it's just
4: when the when the thing hits the the face mask it just goes clonk yeah
1: yeah
0: that was great well,
4: some really i love really that scene where they
0: go around the corner and first they see like a a bunch more zombies in that other part of that courtyard behind that fence and then they're like you know they hide behind the wall like oh crap and then as soon as that happens then the riot gear and gas mask zombies come out and it's like oh double crap you know just like they kept up piling it on there's so much good action and suspense in this episode
2: did anyone think when, you know, because Rick made a big deal of them all sticking together and not, you know, almost kind of like that phalanx, you know, like 300 style where, you know, they all cover each other and, and you know, move as one. When T-Dog went to go grab the, the the riot shield, did you think, okay, he's done, he's gone? I don't know that I thought he was going to die, but I was waiting for Rick I, to yell at him. What? Well, he did. Well, yeah, more than did. that, though. He did, but I, I, I thought, oh, he's going. And then there was a moment when they were standing in the middle of the courtyard and they they center um, uh, Maggie, like, on the screen, and she just kind of almost has a smile on her face as she looks at Glenn. Yeah, and I was like, Did like, you see that? Oh, I'm like, oh, she's going to get it. I really thought she was, again, it was like two moments where they were being, like, you know, really obvious that they were in the clear, and, you know, it's something I, I really thought she was going to get it. So I thought that was cool, because, again, it just kept building that suspense. Because, like I said, in the show... You never know. Anybody can get it at any time, and you know we'll definitely talk about that at the end. But uh, right, right. But you know, it's just it's cool to to watch this show and experience that.
1: And I definitely agree with you. I thought there was like a small chance she was going to get it right there, but I, I did like. And this goes back to the well oiled machine thing. You know, they are so in tune with how to do this that they can even take that small break to be like, "Did you just see what I did? That was freaking awesome!" And and last did abackle. you hear that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It was
4: the elf. I'm ready for Christmas. <laughs>
1: He's an angry elf. That's um, ridiculous. Sit on a throne of lies! But so, uh, all in all, they manage to clear out the inner courtyard. Uh, they get a lot of that riot gear, and then they head inside to uh, the first, or the closest cell block, at least. And they, they head in there to clear that out. They find that it's mostly empty. I think they kill a few stragglers. There's a couple in... Um, Couple locked in cells. You know they probably died of starvation, and then just came back as zombies.
2: The zombies in and- cell block C. <laughs> uh, werewolf women of the SS,
1: and then they uh, they find a guard room. They find some keys, and that's when they decide to let everybody in because it looks like their home.
2: It's funny. I'll, I'll make a little comic comparison here for uh, for two things. One, it, this this area looked really small. You know, it's just, it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's a set, so it just, it looks really tight. Like in the comic, it looked like more like a traditional, like, long, huge cell block prison that. More like know, Alcatraz, like, yeah, you've seen yeah in every yeah. movie ever. Yeah, you know? Which, not Every
1: movie centering on Alcatraz, not just every movie.
2: Right, right, right. And it, it, it didn't take me away out of it, but it just kind of made me, I was like, wow, this, that's, it's really dirty. The other thing is just, is, is the, is the filth. Like, these guys are completely and utterly. Filthy, gross, nasty, and this is just how they have to live. I mean, there's no, like, they're happy with just going to bed that night, being covered in, you know, zombie juice and blood and guts and nastiness. And I Well, what what does Maggie say when they
4: pick a room and they walk in and there's like, it looks like somebody killed themselves with, you know, their brains are all over the wall, and she turns to Glenn and says, I don't even care.
2: Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's it's another one of those aspects as, you know, being fans of the comic that, you know, it, it doesn't become as apparent as when you see it, you know, in living color on on television. And I just I just really appreciate the that level of of again, the level of detail. I think the show is just knocking it out of the park and this episode, just really brings it home. You know how much care and attention they're taking to this to, to this show. Oh yeah. Do you think
4: Frank Darabont is at home, sitting in his rocking chair with his knees curled up to his chest and with a, his arms wrapped around his knees, and he's got like a tear rolling down his cheek? All
1: I think he's things? got plenty of stuff to occupy him, like uh, a noir Noire he's working on right now. I'm not sure when that premieres, but okay. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he's doing just something
0: fine. that happened uh, in this in the scene where they're kind of settling in, and it kind of reminded me of the video game Left 4 Dead, where you go through like the zone and you kill everything and you make it to the safe house. Um, the, the scene with, uh, um, Carl and, and Beth, do you think there's something going on there? I think they kind of mentioned it, they kind of alluded to that at, at oh, the, yeah. uh, the, you know, the Walking Dead, uh, panel there in New York. Oh yeah. Um, but it's, it's almost like Carl is, is definitely, uh, getting eyes for Beth and there's that one scene where,
3: exactly.
2: we're going to have
3: to confiscate, uh, confiscate. Radic yeah, I there. think so. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> it's turning
0: into the morning zoo around here, or something, you know. Uh, but but the but the, the scene with I mean with uh, Carl and Beth with Herschel, where Herschel's just kind of oh l- the Herschel part was yeah, great.
2: yeah it was awesome. I love that I love that scene. awesome.
4: I was talking to my 18 year old daughter who, by the way, was overjoyed with this episode. Um, we were talking about you know the whole thing, and we were talking about Beth and um, and Carl, and uh, she was like, "How old?" is Beth and I'm you know I it I see what y'all are saying but I think there's still too much of a of an age difference there it's a little creepy
3: I, I think if Carl, Carl is just crushing yeah yeah you know and I think but she I mean, probably likes it that he is you know she's flattered or whatever but I don't think it's going past that at, at this point not
1: at this point, no. But I think they are setting her up to take kind of a Sophia role. Um, hopefully, not in getting lost in the woods for six episodes, but in uh, you know, kind of fulfilling that that point of interest for Carl.
0: She's the only girl around that isn't his mom or taken or his mom's age
1: or or a zombie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, I mean, look, I mean, not to spoil anything about Carl in the comics, but what you can just see in this episode. You know, he is not a little kid anymore. You know, he's killing without remorse. He is, you know, ready to eat dog food. At a certain point, the zombie apocalypse has completely removed any kid from him, or for the most part anyway. And he, you know, not to say that, you know, if she's 15 or 16 or 17 and he's 13 or whatever, that it makes it cool or whatever. But at a certain point, I don't think any of that matters to him. It might to Beth, and, and I'm sure that'll make for some interesting TV later. But for him... You know, he, he's one of the guys now. He's the last man standing, like Rick said earlier or later on in the episode.
0: And when Laurie and Carol are sitting on the bunk bed in the cell, that is the fakest uh, pregnancy I've ever seen. It just looked like somebody had taken uh, Wilson the volleyball. It was weird lines on her back. Yeah. I'm not
1: sure what that yeah,
0: was. It looked like Wilson the volleyball from Castaway was uh, strapped to her stomach.
1: <laughs> She's been faking the pregnancy the whole time. Like, uh,. I shouldn't even admit this, but like in the first season of Glee. Uh, anyway, back onto The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that scene with Herschel uh, and and Beth and Carl. <laughs> I mean, he just walks in, and is basically like, "So where are you sleeping? Because it's not in here with my daughter." Uh, that was funny. you find say every, or every farmer's
0: daughter joke I ever heard flashed in my head at that moment.
1: <laughs> you know, it was Carl's too young to even funny, ever have you know, heard um, a farmer's daughter joke.
4: Herschel took it with a grain of salt, you know, he and Beth had a little laugh about it, and that was it. You know, they didn't... uh, I I was glad, I was relieved that Herschel didn't have this horrible look on his face, like, I'm gonna have to watch that boy, you know, because it just seemed... it seemed very innocent. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. At some point, I can't remember if it's that night or the next morning, but uh, this is where we have that scene between Herschel and Laurie, where it was, you know, in the past, like some of those longer talking scenes where it gets boring, but I was really... Uh, kind of entranced by this, because she's talking about all the horrible things that could go wrong with her pregnancy, not just in the, you know, there's no modern medicine around, but in the you know, if I die, I try to attack the baby or you, if the baby dies, is stillborn and tries to claw its way out and infects her that way, I mean, it was a really disturbing kind of scene, and she basically makes Herschel promise, if anything goes wrong, you do not hesitate to kill me or the baby if you have to. There's another interesting
4: point about this scene that lets us know that a, time has passed, and B, these people have changed. This is the first time we ever hear Herschel swear. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. He might have too. in the
2: season finale last year.
4: Yeah, but he... I don't remember him, and I recently watched that. I don't i don't think he swore at all. I think this is the first time we ever heard him.
2: He's definitely becoming more... Um, more... It's like he understands the world he lives in now, right? At the at the end right. once he kinda saw what happened and went down at the barn and he kinda had that change of heart and kinda put all his uh, faith behind Rick, I think I think Herschel is a completely changed man. Um and I think he's
4: I think in the he's still the same Herschel to the core, but I think he's he's loosened his I belt agree, Brad, because
0: thing. I mean when he asks his daughter to sing that song and then Maggie joins in, I mean that's a sentimental uh, tied to the old world, you know, the world that happened, you know, before the zombies. I mean, it yeah. shows that. I agree. He's still Herschel at the core. It's just he's kind of adapted himself to the situation a little better.
4: You know, and the fact that he he said, regardless of the fact that he swore, even if he hadn't sworn, he he said, you know, who doesn't care about this is that little baby in there. So he's still he's still grounded. He's still an emotionally sensitive guy. He's still the same caring human being. It's just that, you know, he's loosened up a bit.
1: And this was another good scene for Lori in terms of making her less terrible. You know, she talks about how she's very aware that, you know, everybody doesn't or most of the people don't like her, even her son and husband, um, that she feels terrible. She doesn't want to be a burden on the group. And, you know, if the baby goes or if she goes, you kill them immediately. Do not let her endanger anyone else. Um all in all, I thought they did a really good job with Lori this episode. And from what I understand, they do an equally good job uh, next episode as well from the critics who've seen it. Um, you know, uh, granted there's a certain element of Lori that's always going to be somewhat unlikable just based on what she's done throughout the series. But I thought they did a really excellent job of, you know, taking her back from that precipice this episode.
2: Lori turned a big corner for me in this episode. I really, I, um, i I've, I've I've come back around and I hope they keep the direction they're going with her character because I think it's really, it'll really turn me around because I was not a fan of, of Lori. And like, you know, we mentioned before, even in some of the commentary episodes, it's not a reflection on Sarah Wayne Callies. it's, it's more a reflection on the way they write her character. And I think they finally, they may have finally kind of gotten it right and kind of put her on a path where she seems to be making a little more sense. She seems to be not so wishy-washy. And you almost kind of feel sorry for her at this point, um, you know, especially in this conversation with, with Herschel.
1: It should also be mentioned at this point, because I don't know if they're going to bring it back at some point
2: later on in the season. But
1: Daryl mentions that one of the zombies they killed is not prison staff or a prisoner. It looks like a civilian. Now, granted, that could be someone coming in from the outside. You know, they're worried about how secure this place is. This is, could also be somebody who was there visiting. You know, uh, you know there are civilians at prison sometimes in terms of you know meeting up with people. Uh, whenever the, the time is allotted. But that that is something that could come back into play the rest of the season. So I wanted to mention it now.
3: There's lots of civilians in prisons too. There's counselors, teachers, uh, medical workers.
1: Oh, that's true. You'd be the guy to ask about this, John. So, so it's not that out of the ordinary. No, no. Okay. So at this point... Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, uh, Rick says to Carl, you know, you could be the last man standing. You need to stay with the group. So he stays with, I guess it's Beth, Carol, Lori, and the baby. I think they're the ones who stay behind. They lock themselves into the cell block. At this point, they've got two or three sets of keys they've looted off of guards, Uh, whereas the rest of the group goes off to clear out the next cell block and look for the commissary, look for food, look for medicine, all that kind of stuff. Again, you know, they're not maybe as well oiled as earlier in the episode, but they're still working together very well. They've got, you know, they've got a plan. They've got the spray paint that they're going to mark their path so they can get back when they need to, even though it doesn't really go as planned. Um, You know, they're working like a SWAT team, like a military strike force. They're, you know, moving from hallway to hallway. They're checking around the corners the way you're supposed to, uh, or at least the way a civilian like me thinks you're supposed to. Uh, And at a certain point, they run into a whole bunch of zombies. And they hightail it out of there. And like I said, this is where the spray paint kind of fell apart because nobody seems to have followed that. They just ran as fast as they could through the darkness. Um, And by the way, I I want to mention earlier, but there are some gorgeous shots in this prison where it's almost completely dark. But you have the sun coming in through a really grimy window and it just looked beautiful. And I I did not want to forget that because those were some gorgeous shots on the part of uh, Ernest Dickerson. But uh, yeah, so they're running from the zombies. Glenn and Maggie get separated from the rest of the group. They hide in a a closet of some type, Uh, and so the rest of the group, when everything's kind of finally settled down, they go looking for them. This is where Herschel hears Maggie yelling down one of the, or whispering down one of the hallways. He turns, he walks over a zombie that you can kind of tell exactly what's going to happen, but it still doesn't lose its effect. It was still, um, it was still really sad when he steps. You know, kind of through the zombie's legs. The zombie wakes up and bites him right on the leg. So the rest of the group, they come, they grab him. uh, They they meet up with Glenn and Maggie again. And they run into a big room. I guess it was the cafeteria, I think. Which is also where not the same scene happens in in the comics. But where a similar scene to how the episode ends happens in the comics. And uh, this is where we go back to guts, Brad. And this is where... Rick grabs a hatchet, which is uh, Glenn Messera mentioned on Talking Dead was from Herschel's medical bag, so it had been sterilized and all that kind of stuff, pulls the hatchet out, and without any hesitation whatsoever, uh, he chops off Herschel's leg to try and save him.
2: <laughs> lieutenant
1: diane <laughs> will it work so maybe maybe not i mean it's been done before in day of the dead but that character did not live long enough uh because of other things to find out whether hacking off the limb would have worked but uh I, we might find out this season
0: well the thing about it that really struck me was they didn't even stop to discuss it figure it out plan it or anything they just went immediately right to it as soon as they realized he was bitten they got him clear and then rick went to work on him with
1: it with the axe And and which I was really happy about, they didn't have Maggie. I mean, Beth wasn't there, but they didn't have Maggie going. You can't do this to him. He, you know, he might be just fine. You know, in past times, the episode of Walking Dead might have fallen into that trap of you have the one character who's adamant, you can't do this. No, here everyone they don't like it, but they know exactly what they have to do, and they are willing to let Rick do it.
2: I was really bothered by this scene when that happened. I. I, I was sitting at lunch, uh, you know, at work uh, down in the break room or whatever, and I was just like, no, I just I really it really bummed me out. Um, and, and part of it is I don't know if I should if I should spoil it or say this or not. We can we can edit it out if we don't agree after the fact. But I think in the comic, didn't they prove out the fact that you can't hack off a limb after somebody's been uh, bitten to stave off the infection? Or am I, I don't remember,
1: now? but it could. It's always a question of how fast can you do it. Like at a certain point, if you get it fast enough, theoretically, you should be able to to stave off the infection. Granted, that window is going to be really short. Yeah. So in the comics, if it was thirty seconds longer, maybe that's too long. Um, whereas here, maybe or maybe he's going to die just from bleeding out. We don't know. I mean, I was kind of surprised to see him getting bit that early in the season. I thought he'd be around longer, and maybe he will be. But, uh, you know, that's left for us to find out later in the season for sure.
4: You got you got to remember, it's not the being bit by a zombie that will kill you. It's the dying, or that will turn you into a zombie. It's the dying. Right,
1: but the bite will
2: so, kill you. So, you know. The bite could kill Look you. Look what happened to, uh, uh, um, what's his face? Jim. Jim, Jim. I mean, he—he—he he, he was bitten, but not like fatally. But he eventually turned.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, but but he died because first. of the bite. We, right? But the bleeding—you know—if you, people have lost limbs. That dude, you know, that got trapped between the rocks. He cut his own arm off, and he lived. Right. You know it happens all the time. Girl gets bit oh, by yeah, a shark yeah. when she's swimming, and, she, and she lives. But so it's not the being bit by the zombie that will kill you. Everybody's already infected. Well, no, hold, I, hold on. We're talking about two different yeah. things,
1: Brad. There's there's the infection, which is everybody's got. But there's also something in the zombie's saliva or you know fluids, whatever, that will kill you. No matter what, if you if it gets into your bloodstream, it will kill you um at least we in have, under the we remover well look well, at jim I think we have seen it
2: jim jim wasn't fatally wounded he was bitten and he turned into a zombie and and that's what you know i mean we granted we didn't actually see it all take place on screen but he started to get really really sick and turn because he was bitten he wasn't he didn't lose a lot of blood he didn't have some i think he lost more blood than than we mm, really it didn't even show that. through his shirt really
4: and i don't think i don't think I think the bite just got infected. The wound got infected. We'll call it a wound because, yeah, it was a bite, but it was a wound. I think the wound got infected, and that's what killed him. I don't think it has anything to do with actually being bitten by the zombie. But in that case, let's say there's a
1: 100% infection rate for, (laughs) in terms of infection that will kill you from zombie bites. I mean, granted. No, we've already, everybody's already infected. Right, but we're talking two different infections. We're talking infection that will kill you, and we're talking infection that will bring you back to life. You know what I mean? Granted, in the show, you no, could theoretically no. be right, but I think everything we've seen in the show and the comic and every Romero movie ever says that it will kill you no matter what.
4: We're not talking Romero movies. This is We're talking this one show. I,
1: I, I know, but they do follow those rules.
4: Okay, put the rules away. We're talking Walking <laughs> Dead rules. The, we're talking walking, walking Dead, dead rules. We have not rules. seen any evidence that being bit by a zombie will kill you.
2: Yes, Jim. I yeah, I was gonna say no. I disagree.
4: No. But, no, no. Go back and we don't go know. Go back and rewatch it. I've seen it a million times. I know <laughs> it. He got infected because it was a wound, not because a zombie bit him.
3: No, nah, that's way too fast for a wound to get infected and die from. Yeah, it's it was like it was, it was like twenty four hours maybe.
4: Then I think. Um, they're, and he was getting those, they,
1: like, flashes of zombies in his eyes. Like, he was going into seeing zombie vision before he even died.
4: Well, what about when, um, no, that's I was going to say, what about when Shane died? We were seeing him seeing zombie things as he was, after he was already dead. So, I don't think there's been enough evidence to support the theory that there's something in the zombie bite that will speed along the procedure.
1: I agree with you, Brad, in the sense that, yes, at this point, they could make what you're saying absolutely true, and it would not contradict anything in the show. However, I do think it is leaning heavily towards the opposite direction. But we will see. We will see.
4: I think the fact that we're already all infected anyway, as witnessed and proven by Shane, I think that it's irrelevant whether or not the zombie bite will speed things up because you're infected anyway.
0: When they got tested by Jenner, Herschel wasn't with them, so maybe he's not infected.
1: Ooh, I don't. I don't think well, they want to go the route of some people are infected and some aren't. That seems like a dangerous yeah. path to tread.
0: Look, man, I the just want Scott I Wilson have... to stay on the show. He's my favorite character now, other than Rick. I'm trying. I'm grasping at straws here. I'm trying to come up with something.
4: The only problem I have with this episode, and I suppose their behavior around zombies in general, is never. If I was there, I would never ever ever assume that that zombie leaning against the wall is dead.
1: Oh, I agree. Although if he I was in a panic.
4: A knife or a crowbar or something pointy and I walked by it. Every time I walked by it, I would stick that pointy thing in its head. Just to you know be sure I mean?
1: like 15 times later.
4: Just to be sure. <laughs> I know I can see the hole that I left in this guy's cranium last time I walked by him, but I'm giving him another one. Well, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and that's the only issue that I had. You know, when they first showed that zombie leaning against the wall when Herschel walked by him one way, I said, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew that he was going to come back, and that was going to be, you know, alive, and it was going to grab him. I just knew it. So. Right. Oh,
1: I, I definitely. And and before we get off on another tangent, I want to just mention the last thing that happens in the episode, which is after they cut off Herschel's leg, uh, they turn around and they see that there are five or six inmates behind a wall. And the episode ends with the inmates looking at them and going, holy shit. And that ends episode 301 of The Walking Dead. And I love
0: that cold ending like that, too. It was, it was just great. It was just like, boom, and done. Wow. And it gives you a lot to think about for next week.
4: You don't know if they're zombies or not until they cut to the close-up of the one dude. Yeah, yeah. At first, and you I think hope, they're just zombies. I don't remember his name from the comic, but I hope it's the guy in the comic that always says, You follow me?
3: <laughs> well, you know that's which a, guy I'm talking about? Yeah, and, and that's, a, I think, a little bit of a an issue... Looking at the Twitter account As the show ended A lot of people mentioned that they liked most of it But weren't so hot on the very ending And I think this is another example Of the people that are Up to this point in the comic Know that There's live people in the prison And it means more to us That oh we're going to see some people That we recognize from the comic book And people who just watched the show It's probably not as big of a deal
1: yeah, I mean, we're, we're not going to spoil what happens, but there is story involved with those
3: people. Wonder, Although in the comic, I, I think there was why, only three,
1: right? Maybe four? No, there were four. four and here, there there there's five. Or
3: there's five. There's five. There's four up front, and there's one guy lurking in the back.
1: Gotcha.
4: I wonder why people didn't like that. Is it because it was unexpected? They didn't expect to find... You know, that's what... No, I just people, think it's that,
3: not that big a reveal if you don't care who those people are or know that they... You know what I'm getting at? Like... Just like you said, Brad, like, you're hoping that one of them is that character that you liked in the book, so it means something to you.
4: Yeah. I I hear you. You
3: know, kind of like the prison at the end of season two, you know, we knew what it meant. I don't know that everyone did or cared so much. Ratings time, guys? Four and a half. Super action-y.
4: Yeah, four and a half for me, too. 4.5
0: 4.5 for me.
2: I'm going to continue my streak of being pretty generous when the episodes are really good, and I'm going to give it a 5. It just I think this is um, probably my favorite episode of the series so far.
3: Yeah, I was thinking that as well. I can't think of one that I liked more than it. I mean, I put it right up there with like the very first episode of the series and maybe the finale last season. Like, It's right there, definitely.
1: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna play against type, which is something I rarely ever do. And instead of rating everything higher than everybody else, I'm actually gonna give this a 4.25. I liked the episode. There was a lot of really cool stuff in it, but for whatever reason, and I can't explain why, it could have just been the frame of mind I was in. There was a number of scenes where I was getting antsy and was like, "All right, just get to the next thing." And like I said, there's a lot of cool stuff. Enjoyed most of it, but for whatever reason, I was a little bored at certain points. So 4.25 for me. But still, overall, very well, good episode. In
4: that case, I'm going to change mine to four and three quarters to bring the average back up to four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
1: I, I, will not, uh, I will not spare you for that. And it's, uh,
4: it's probably worth four and three quarters. I mean, it was just that good to me.
3: Twitter pretty much agrees with us. Um, we got a four from Rick Binkley. We got Jimmy in Georgia, who's a good uh, friend of the show, four and a half. Buster the zombie gave it four busters, which was uh, interesting. Uh, 4.75 from Crispy Lunkett. Joe Jans, 4 out of 5. Lots of zombies, just the way I like them. Um, we got a couple of we think deny is the perfect Michonne. Uh, 4.25 from The Meat Tornado, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. 5 out of 5 from Lynn. Uh, Ducky is lost. She made me laugh. She was calling him Coach Rick the whole show from the little pep talk he gave early on. Um, I like that, Coach Rick. That works. So, the Twitter fans definitely approved. Oh, one other thing. I'll do a quick before we get into Facebook. Uh, the Twitter contest. I asked everybody before the show started who's gonna get the last zombie kill of the episode. So obviously they had an answer really quick or all of the good characters would have been taken because the first right answer was the winner. And uh, Joe Marie, it's uh, at It's Joe Me 21 on Twitter, wins a New York Comic-Con exclusive Walking Dead magazine number one for guessing Daryl. Which I had to back up a little bit and take a look because after they kill a bunch of zombies in the hallways, uh, they start retreating and they don't kill anymore. So it really didn't happen at the very end. It happened a little bit sooner, but uh, it was in fact Daryl, and she guessed it. So congratulations, yay! The uh, the spread Any on Facebook comments.
0: Yeah, the spread the, fr- the spread on Facebook is pretty much the same too. It's between four and five. Uh, Terry Bernardi had a four point two five, a solid four point two five busters out of five. Uh, Dane Grannon also a four two five. We got several five out of fives, including Michael Santana and our our good friend Lucas King from the the Handycast. Uh, Victor Schwartzmiller from uh, uh, Exploring the Multiverse podcast gave it a three three busters. Um, he said there were too many dumb decisions, which I'm not sure what he means there. Um, maybe he would... Uh,
1: yeah, because it was definitely a lot less than Seasons 1 or 2. I agree.
0: Maybe he could uh, elucidate in a further post in the future after he hears this. Uh, Everard Santa Maria gave it a 425. Amy gave it four busters. Good solid start. One full point deducted for Lori's appallingly fake pregnant belly. Um, Liz Hill gave it a 4-5 four, four, as well. Um, we got a lot, uh, again, All the except for Victor, everybody's between a 4 and a full 5 busters for this episode. So uh, they definitely hit it out of the park this time, guys,
4: I believe. Victor can go on timeout for one week. <laughs> you can rejoin us in one week's time after you think about what you've done, Victor.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, we're running a little bit long. We had a lot to say tonight, and we're probably getting ready to wrap this up right now. But I think we'll start next show with some voicemails and comments and things uh, to wrap up Seed, and then we'll move on to episode two. So next week we'll take care of all that good stuff. And over at
1: Forum for Geeks, ForumforGeeks.com, Big Raj said he really enjoyed it, and it's a great start to what's still his favorite arc in the comics.
3: Awesome. A good start. So that's going to wrap it up
1: for this episode. Until next time, you can find all of our contact information and all of our other great shows at www.hhwlod.com. So check that out for sure. And until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, if your gas mask is so firmly affixed that simply removing it will tear off your skin, buddy, you're doing it wrong. Have a good week, everybody.
3: Good night.
2: So long.
1: And next week... Spoilers for anybody who doesn't want to know, just the basic synopsis of next week's episode. Next week on on the Walking Dead, episode three oh two is called Sick, and the brief blurb we have is after a traumatic event, a life hangs in the balance. Complicating matters, the group must also deal with a potential threat to their new surroundings. So I, Translation Herschel got bit. There's prisoners in Herschel the Herschel
4: got bit, he's gonna die. They found live people in the prison that they can't trust. Spoilers,
1: Brad. <laughs> have a good
3: one everybody.
4: almost there stay on target almost there stay on target just hold them off for a few seconds
0: the dead uh, walk the earth remember always keep a few bags of seeds on you cause you never know
4: so I'm better. <laughs> Russell's better than John.
0: Oh
3: yeah, well he wears a wig.
4: Damn you.
0: <laughs> that hair is fake. It looks so real. He's I not only a wig, he's not, not only a wig club president. He's also a client.
2: He's actually a Merkin. You all. Ouch.
0: <laughs> Herschel, no.
1: Cuz I'm in love with Herschel's girl.